Hello, friends. Happy New Year and welcome to Ratio Vero. This is a podcast where we discuss and analyze cultural and worldview issues from a Christian perspective, more specifically through the lens of theology and apologetics. It's been a few months since I've put out an episode. Uh, life has been a little busy with the holiday season, so I uh, scaled things down a bit. But with all that behind us now, I'm looking forward to ramping things back up and uh, trying to give you guys content on a more regular basis. I uh, want to talk about something that's difficult to talk about today. Uh, in the last several months, I'm sure several of you have seen or heard the news of prominent Christian personalities involved in some sort of scandal. Uh, Jerry Falwell Jr., um, you know, president of Liberty University, I believe, Carl Lentz, uh, he was a pastor at uh, Hillsongs in New York, and of course, more recently, the late Ravi Zacharias. Uh, today, I want to address just the Zacharias scandal, uh, mostly for two reasons. A, Ravi was a globally recognized personality, and that gave him a scope and influence that really was massive and for the same reason has sent shockwaves through the Christian evangelical world. But also B, because Ravi's ministry was responsible for me being and doing what I'm doing today as a Christian apologist. So this is deeply personal. I think this, this story actually, you know, my... My following of Ravi actually began a long time ago. Um, some of you can actually find my uh, episode. I actually did an entire episode on Ravi when he passed away, uh, just explaining how much of an impact and influence he had on my life. So if you kind of want to know the, the background story there to, to how he influenced me, uh, definitely check out that episode, uh, which is available um, right here on my podcast. But, you know, just moving forward from there, in, in the last few weeks, several people have contacted me asking for my thoughts on this matter because they knew how much his ministry meant to me. And for that reason, this is difficult to talk about. So I'm going to do this in two segments. Uh, first, for those who are unfamiliar with the issue, I'll, I'll kind of summarize what happened and what has been developing, and then I'll unpack for you my thoughts on this matter and uh, try to give us some sort of blueprint by which to um, mentally and emotionally navigate something like this. So for those of you uh, who have not heard about this, uh, in the last few months, several allegations started coming up publicly through Christianity Today and World Magazine, which claimed that Ravi Zacharias had engaged in very sexually inappropriate behavior. He had gotten involved in a phone relationship with a married Canadian woman with whom he was engaged in intimate conversations or, you know, what is otherwise called phone sex. Uh, she had sent him nude pictures of herself and he had kept his, uh, this relationship a secret from his family and the board of his ministry. Now, eventually this blew up uh, when she decided to disclose this to her husband and, uh, you know, uh, Ravi begged her not to do that and she wanted 
five million dollars and RZIM turned around and sued them and eventually an NDA non-disclosure agreement was signed and they they settled out of court. Now, if that wasn't bad enough, then there were newer allegations of Ravi misbehaving sexually with masseuses that worked at massage parlors that he co-owned with someone else. And after his passing, these women finally felt the freedom to come out and report this stuff, and it all became public. Now, there are a lot of details here that uh, I won't go into for the sake of time, uh, but if you want to read about this for yourself, I would recommend checking out Julie Royce's ministry website. Uh, Julie herself being a Christian investigator whose ministry it is to look into abuses or inappropriate conduct within churches or Christian ministries. Uh, her work is thorough and good, and you can find it at julieroys.com. Now, if you want um, more specific uh, information on her coverage of the Zachariah scandal, you can find it at julieroys.com forward slash investigations forward slash Ravi hyphen Zacharias. Okay. Um, I had actually gotten wind of some of this stuff about a year and a half ago for the first time uh, through the work of a person by the name of Steve Bauman. Um, I, I believe that's how you pronounce his name. I could be wrong. Steve Bauman. Um, he actually has a, uh, a moderate YouTube presence. He calls himself, he goes by the moniker, um, the banjo playing atheist. And about a year and a half ago, I actually um, noticed that he had he'd put up some material uh, on YouTube and he actually had a website. I believe it's still up. It's called RaviWatch.com. And he had uncovered some inconsistency with Ravi's academic credentials, or at least his claims of these credentials, and was also the first person to blow the lid on the phone sex scandal. Now, I have to admit, at the time, personally, I just felt like this guy was just out to smear Ravi and just tarnish his name. Uh, although I will admit that I was a little troubled by some of the evidence he had put out regarding the email exchange between Ravi and this Canadian woman, uh, even though I had no other way to verify this matter. In the last few months, however, with the massage parlor stuff coming out, it became clear that the egregiousness of what Ravi had done was far greater than what anyone could have imagined. And um, as we speak, there is an independent investigation in process uh, the results of which will come out later this month or next month. So I just want to say that as a disclaimer, that this is still a developing story. Um, and uh, a lot of facts uh, could change on the ground and a lot of facts are going to come out. Um, so ju just kind of keep that in mind. I don't want you to assume that, um, you know, everything I'm saying here is kind of the final word. But the point of me doing this podcast episode is to just give us some general principles and give us some general, um, like a map with which to process this whole issue, even though uh, this issue has not um, 
it is still a developing issue and there's no closure to this yet. Okay. Now, obviously, all of this is deeply troubling. Many Christians, including myself, are saddened by the ramifications of this, uh, especially for his wife and children, but also for the people in his ministry that now have to pick up these pieces in light of this public scandal. And obviously, we should be praying for them. Um, having said all that, uh, let's go into break. And when we get back, I want to talk about how we as Christians can process this, but also how a non-Christian should think about this. So more on that when we get back. Welcome back, friends. Uh, let me go ahead and unpack for you some thoughts on this whole matter. Uh, first, let me talk to people who are non-Christians. Um, I'm sure there's a tendency to, you know, now that you've heard about these things and you know that, you know, Ravi was a great Christian minister and all these things, that, you know, that this really discredits the Christian faith and therefore Christianity is false. Okay, and there's, I'm sure there's a tendency to dismiss the message based on the messenger. And I understand, this This is understandable, the sentiment, I get it. Uh, if a person is claiming to be a very faith-oriented person who's religious and speaks as an ambassador for the faith, and then if it comes to light that this person messed up in their personal faith, doesn't that automatically negate the message? And my answer to that is, no, it doesn't. And I'll explain to you why I think that's the case. The reason is because Christianity itself never claims that its followers are perfect. See, in the Bible, specifically in the book of Romans, it says that no one is perfect. All have sinned. All have messed up. There's not even one person who is righteous. In fact, the first book in the Bible records where humanity messed up big time and how we have been messed up since. What Christian theology calls the fall. So right off the bat, Christianity makes a claim for a doctrinal position called human depravity. The doctrine that all people, including followers of Christ, are sinful and have fallen short of the standard that God expected of them. So the operating principle is that all humans are messed up. And this is why God made a way for them to be saved by sending his own son to this world to save them. He took on human form in order to represent humanity. And as such, Christianity teaches that Jesus Christ was and is the only perfect person. Anyone and everyone else is imperfect. So I think it's important to make that distinction between the fact that the Christian message of humans having sinned and needing redeemed is mutually exclusive to the fact that the messengers who teach this message, like pastors, evangelists, Christian ministers, are all still sinful and capable of messing up. In other words, the message is perfect. The messengers are not. The message can save you. The messengers cannot. So we must be careful to not uh, throw the baby out with the bathwater. Okay, so just because a follower of the Christian faith falls, it does not automatically follow that their failure negates the Christian message that they preach. 
for the unbeliever, if you want to know what Christianity stands on, it stands on the person of Jesus Christ and him alone. It stands on his birth. It stands on his ministry. It stands on his death and resurrection. If you want to know what the Christian message of the gospel is about, I would recommend you study the life and the person of Christ. That's where you will find the truth. And if you look to find the integrity of Christianity and its followers, you will be disappointed. And like I said earlier, Christianity itself tells us that humans as a group are sinful and therefore not reliable. Only God is perfect and reliable. Okay, now let me, let me talk to my Christian brothers and sisters. Let me start by saying that a lot of things that I said to the non-Christian applies to us too. You know, as Christians, our model, our standard of perfection, our blueprint for life is Christ and should be no one else. God is in the process of making us like his son. Romans chapter 8 talks about that. Any other standard is dangerous and idolatrous. But the problem here is something else. And I've, you know, honestly, I've been guilty of this myself. We have this tendency to create a Christian celebrity complex, almost a cult of personality, if you will. Now, I don't think that this is a Christian problem per se, but actually a human problem. Our culture is obsessed with celebrities. Millions of people every day want to know what's going on in the lives of celebrities everywhere. You know, um, we follow people on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and TikTok. And well, it turns out that Christians are not immune from this complex either. We tend to very faithfully follow big evangelical names like a John MacArthur or a Piper or a William Lane Craig. Now, let me just say this, following their work or their ministry and wanting to know what they have to say on a particular issue is not wrong in and of itself. These are incredible and gifted men whose ministries are a great blessing. But when we elevate them or exalt them to unhealthy levels where we get a little starry-eyed about them, now our gaze of them becomes idolatrous. Because we start to look to them to satisfy our deep questions instead of looking to God and his word. And I've been guilty of this myself. You know, sometimes I'll be thinking about a particular issue, you know, a little theological issue. And instantly I'll be like, huh, I, I just want to know what, you know, Wayne Grudem thinks about this, you know, or I want to know what John MacArthur thinks about this, or, or I want to know what, um, you know, um, Mark Dever thinks about this. And I, I jump on YouTube and I pull up videos and and I think to myself, wait a minute, why don't I just go to the Bible first? Why am I going to YouTube? Why don't I go to God first? Why am I going to these guys? So I, I say that with full confession and disclaimer that I myself am guilty of this kind of complex. And, you know, some people have asked me, now that all this news about Ravi is blowing up, um, should we stop reading his books? Should we boycott the work that his ministry RZIM is doing? Should we throw away or remove from our bookshelves anything that Ravi 
had written. And my response to that is that I don't think that's necessary. Firstly, because I think that a person's moral failures does not necessarily negate whatever wisdom they had. Just because Ravi committed these terrible sins does not automatically mean he was wrong on everything he said. Because I think two things can be true at the same time. A person is sinful and will commit wrongs, and at the same time, God can use that person to speak truths for his kingdom and spread the message of the gospel. Now, that is different from saying that there should not be consequences. That's not what I'm saying. Please hear what I'm saying. If a person in ministry or, or a teacher has found to be involved in a serious sin such as this, then they should, there should be consequences. There should be, uh, you know, they, they should be temporarily removed from their responsibilities. They should repent and seek forgiveness and uh, publicly apologize. And they should take time to get whatever counseling or therapy or help that they need. And, uh, and, their, and you know, their accountability structure or board should do whatever is necessary to restore the person back to uh back back to the kind of spiritual state or I want to be careful not I don't want to I don't mean to say spiritual state back to a a position of uh clarity a position of um you know clarity and cleanliness in our conscience so I'm not saying that there should not be consequences. What I am saying is that because a person sinned, and as egregious as that sin may be, as it was in the case of Ravi, it does not abrogate or negate the truths that Ravi spoke or taught, and nor does it negate the work that God used him to do around the world and in the lives of hundreds of thousands of people. You know, Ravi whether we like it or not, accomplished some incredible things. God took him to some amazing places. He got to speak to the to to the Mormon tabernacle at Utah. He he got to uh, speak at the highest levels of government to powerful monarchs and sheikhs in the Middle East. God opened doors for him that I have not really seen. Uh, you know, happened to anyone else. And Ravi, for decades, faithfully took this message to several places and God used him mightily. Okay, so it's it's important to keep that in mind. And I, I certainly know that um, there are several people I know personally, even for whom Ravi's work and his ministry has greatly blessed them. So it's it's important to keep that at the back of our mind but I do want to show you something else. I, I want to show you something in Philippians, okay? In, in Philippians chapter 1, verse 15, listen to what the Apostle Paul is saying, okay? I'm going to read from verse 15. He says, It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. Now listen to what he says here. He says, but what does it matter? 
The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Do you see what he's saying? You see what he's saying? That's he, he, The Apostle Paul is basically saying, look, there are people out there who have an agenda. <clears throat> Excuse me. There are people out there who have the wrong motives. And they're going to do what they're going to do to satisfy their own motives or to further their own agenda. But ultimately, ultimately, what are they doing? The message they're preaching is good. The message they're preaching is correct. So even if their motives are wrong, the true gospel message, the message of Christ is being preached. And because that is being preached, I rejoice. Okay, so yes, Ravi, what Ravi did, what he, he committed was gravely wrong. But that does not automatically abrogate or negate his body of work. King David committed far worse sins than Ravi. But God did not erase the book of Psalms from the canon. Uh, Solomon committed great sins. God did not erase the book of Proverbs. In fact, the entire Faith Hall of Fame in Hebrews is full of men with great moral failures. But God still used them mightily for His purposes. As Christians, we have to recognize that this is, um, this is not the first time that something like this has happened. And this certainly will not be the last time. So every time something like this happens, we want to make sure that we don't have this kind of knee-jerk reaction and start eliminating that person's entire body of work from history. Otherwise, we will become just like the cancel culture. We have to be careful to not go around canceling people and canceling everything as soon as they have transgressed. First of all, like I said, we have to recognize that transgression is going to be a part of this human existence. But again, God can still use these people for his kingdom and for his glory. Now, I want to just be very clear. None of this is to say that what Ravi did was not wrong. Okay, if this is sounding like a justification of Ravi's actions, please, please know that that is not what my intentions are. That is not what I'm doing. What Ravi did was egregious and we should rightly condemn it and grieve and pray for his victims. But it is also important that we recognize that all humans are sinful, including Christian ministers that we respect. And if we put our faith in them, then we will be sorely disappointed. I want to close on this note. I'm sure there are a lot of people out there who are probably still in denial about this. I'm sure there are those who think this whole thing is a giant smear campaign crafted by the devil by using malicious people to tarnish the reputation and legacy of a great man. Uh, And if there are those of you feeling that way, let me just say that I understand. That's how I felt in the beginning too. Even now, and I'll be honest and admit, even now a small part of me wishes that this whole thing does in fact turn out to be a hoax and Ravi's reputation is exonerated. 
But it seems to me, however, from the evidence available that that is not the case and that there is credibility to a lot of these allegations. Brothers and sisters, for those of you who are hurting today because of all of this, I'm with you and I feel your pain. If you feel betrayed or disillusioned, I'm with you. But our ultimate goal should be the truth. Truth should prevail above everything else, and we should pursue truth even when it cuts against our personal preferences or opinions or affections. I think one of the greatest questions asked was asked by Pontius Pilate when he stood before Christ and asked, What is truth? Not realizing that the very personification of truth was standing right there in front of him. Pursue truth. Hold true to biblical convictions. Elevate Jesus and him alone. Pray for the Zacharias family, the ministry, and especially the victims as they navigate these stormy days. But most importantly, friends, thank the Lord that he is faithful and continues to refine his church, making her into the spotless bride for his glory alone. That's it for now, friends. I wish you a wonderful new year ahead and catch you next time right here on Ratio Vero.